0: podcast is sponsored in part by the Blue Ridge Institute for Theological Education and Birmingham Theological Seminary. For more information about these institutions, please visit their websites at bright-va.org, that's b-r-i-t-e-va.org, or bts.education. And now, here is Larger for Life, a podcast on the Westminster Larger Catechism.
1: Welcome everyone, howdy, and uh, this is the Larger for Life podcast, and we are thankful that y'all gave us such a good response uh, from our first episode, because we had a bunch of downloads and a bunch of feedback, both positive and negative, and uh, some mm-hmm. of y'all need to get a sense of humor, but we're glad to be uh, back here, And uh, and I'm joined by the crew, Sean Morris, Matt Adams, Nick Bullock and Steven Spinnenweber, and uh, we're excited to actually get into the topic at hand today, which is the uh, question one of the larger catechism, and which is an excellent, excellent place to start, uh, not only because it's number one, but because of the actual question itself, and uh, I look forward to our discussion today.
2: Well, Derek, yeah. I don't know, I- I've told you, but uh, my wife especially appreciated she she appreciated the veritable display of accents that we have on the show and your name rose uh pretty high up there you are i i've affectionately called you the casey Kasem of Katusa county georgia uh on our podcast so it's great to great to have you bring us in like that you know what i mean
1: yeah well i'm i'm just glad to be here i'm the least among you brethren first in accents but least in everything else and uh, I, I'm just looking forward to learning from you guys, I think, today, because I've never even read the
0: larger catechism. So uh. <laughs> so what have a you, panel we've got assembled here folk, for you, folks. We, should we change his name, his
2: handle to Charles Finney, right? Did he,
0: he, he never read the Westminster Confession, but
2: I, I have his
1: portrait right in, in here somewhere. Well, I it.
0: This this feels like the Nancy Pelosi approach to the Westminster standards. In order to learn what was actually in the larger catechism, I had to sign up for a show discussing the larger catechism. Yeah, that's that's right. Learning right.
1: as we go. Well, how are you guys doing today? Did y'all have a, a good week or before we get jumped in? like I didn't ask how everybody was doing. I think that's like the standard podcast rule, right? Like I got to get pleasantries out there.
3: That's right, Derek. I appreciate the pleasantries. It's been Vacation Bible School Week at First Pres in Dillon, South Carolina, and so we're running on a lot of caffeine, um, and it's quite loud around the church in the afternoon. So um, pleased to be able to jump on here with you guys to talk about question number one in the morning hours, so we don't have screeching children uh, surrounding us. Caffeine
1: and methamphetamine,
3: that's, that's what gets you through the
1: VBS times. Something like
3: that. Yep. You can find both in Dylan. Yep. All
1: right. Well, good. Well, Spin, do you want to jump us in?
2: Yeah, man. Uh, This first question, for those of you that have a a attuned ear and you know what the shorter catechism question and answer number one is, this will not come as a shock to you. Larger catechism question one, what is the chief and highest end of man? Man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and to fully enjoy him forever. So that's where we'll start. Uh, What is man's chief and highest end? It's obviously a little bit different than the Shorter Catechism because we have that addition of highest and fully enjoy him forever. Does anybody want to wax eloquent on why the Westminster divines? Surely, you know. Put this in here. There's Greek and Hebrew studies that we can do on uh, the original composition of this. But now, nah, I'm. It, it, it seems like it's just an expansion on the shorter Catechism question one, right? Well, it is.
0: Ben, and I think that. Go ahead. Go go ahead Sean. Oh, no. oh, well, it's it's lovely, is what. I, the first thing I don't know that I have any grand insights, but it strikes me of just what a what a beautiful sentiment that is. And you know, sometimes. The, West, the Westminster standards get this reputation of being more uh, austere or scholastic when held in comparison to the three forms of unity that there's sometimes the the allegation is made that heidelberg is more pastoral and westminster larger and shorter are more scholastic and you know there may be certain turns of phrases or phraseology where maybe you can make that case but I, I don't know that that, that allegation ho- holds water when you take the larger catechism in toto that, I mean, what, 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 a f- what, just what a statement that is, how pastoral, how comforting, how tender, uh, how devotional, uh, how worshipful that is, that man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's just a lovely way to set out on the larger catechism. Go ahead, Matt.
3: Well, I was just going to draw some attention and, and, Voss does in his excellent commentary on the larger catechism, Johannes Voss. You know, one of the things that we have to understand at the very beginning of this question is that this phrase highest end speaks to the purpose and the identity of the Christian, doesn't it? I mean, so our our highest end is to first glorify God uh, and then to enjoy the blessedness that he gives to his people both now and forever. Um, and so, you know, in a, in a culture that seeks in all the wrong directions uh, to identify ourselves with, with ever fleeting ideologies or to say that my purpose is to fulfill my highest good or to fulfill the highest good of the majority – um or, you know, it, it's it's a great place to start and it's applicable, right? Uh, larger for life, because we start at the very foundation of why we were created by God. and it was to glorify him. That's that is the that is the purpose. And when we glorify God, He promises us a joy uh, that is uh, everlasting. Uh, both now and uh, forever. And so I think that's uh, a really big deal um, that we must understand that uh, God deserves to be glorified because he has given us life uh, and therefore uh, he tells us how to be blessed or how to enjoy uh, what he has uh, given us and done for us in the person and work of Jesus.
0: Yeah and I think that's a nice you mentioned the title and I guess it's worth saying here just on this first episode that you know the title was very deliberate we didn't just go with larger than life because it's a nice riff off of the first, you know the colloquialism larger than life uh we didn't just pick it because it's a nice alliteration uh, there's sort of a, a a twin aim in that that larger for life the larger catechism is for life that is life in christ life in joy life it, as a christian it's meant for our living it's it's doctrine that equips us for the living of the Christian life so that we can glorify and enjoy God that's what's in the catechism so it's larger catechism for the living of of life toward God uh, but then it's also larger for life in the sense of we want this we want this to follow us all life long uh, we want to grow up in Christ as young men growing up into older men and we want these doctrines to follow us through all the days of our life however long the Lord should give us so larger for life, uh, it, it's it's a double entendre uh, in the best sense, and that's that's on purpose. And uh, this we're only at, at catechism question number one, but it's chock full of of doctrine and theology that we can sink our teeth into, and that fuels uh, Christian living and Christian joy. Thank you for
2: clarifying, because people on Twitter did ask if the podcast name was inspired by the Backstreet Boys, and already we have some T Swift devotees. Uh, on the panel, and I'll just—I have limits. Uh, I will go no further. So it is larger for like, what Sean said,
0: not the Backstreet Boys. Thank you. However, if we should ever be graced by the presence of Pastor Burke Parsons on this show, there may be some indelible connections between him and the Backstreet Boys. Yes. Also in sync. I want it that way. <laughs>
3: you know, all these Twitter haters, we're just going to shake it off and we're going to move on. Okay.
0: Um, that was for you, bright. (laughs) The, another thought that strikes me is what a wonderful rebuke. This sentiment is to the spirit of the age. And I'm sure it was of course, in the age of the Puritans in the age of the Westminster divines, but frankly it is in every age of what, what is life worth living for? And Matt, you've already been hinting at this. What are we doing in life? What, what, what's our our goal in life? You know, here we are in 2023, and I, I suppose maybe it's it's slightly changed now, but growing up as kids, a lot of the, you'd hear it in Disney movies and things like that. Of what's the meaning of life or what's the purpose of life? And, you know, you'd hear things like to be happy, to be fulfilled, to, to, to leave the world in a better place than which you found it. Uh, well, we could do a lot worse than answering that question. What is the meaning of life by using larger catechism question and answer number one?
4: You know, one of the things I think we have to see in this is that the larger catechism begins with eschatology, uh, because what are we being asked? Really, it is, what is the end? And when they give us these two answers, or at least two categories within it, the chief end and the highest end, we're looking at two different parts of eschatology. We're looking at the existential and the transcendent, the here and now and the that which is to come. It's really a place that is directing us daily regarding how we should walk, and I, I think it's wonderful. It's almost like the first psalm, uh, a doorway, an entry uh, into this body of piety that's being offered to us as the church.
2: That's great, Nick. And yeah. I, I think one of our probably mutual Twitter friends there. There's the meme going around that soteriology precedes or eschatology proceeds soteriology. And I think that Nick's talking about this, that, that we were made for an end that transcends the present moment, it actually informs our moment and it informs the way that we live right now. So when you think of the great questions that people ask today and the questions that we're wrestling over societally, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? So we have a question of existence, anthropology we have a question of eschatology ends and the telic question what am I here for and what i love so much about this question is that god in his kindness has made it that the purpose for which we were created does not run contrary to but is the very means whereby we enjoy life to its fullest there's lots of things that we have to do as ministers of the gospel that are not fun there's lots of things That we have to do just to live as adults in this country that we don't want to do, that we do not enjoy doing, but that God created us not to be unwilling slaves, but to be slaves of righteousness and to love the purpose for which we're created. I think that's an instance of God's kindness that uh, we can overlook.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things I love about this question is, and we've already, we've already hit it, we've already hinted at this, and, um, and some of you said it explicitly, but it reorients our thinking and it runs so contrary to modern day man because, um, we want to think even today, like man is the measure of all things. And I know we're all pastors here and we've all had to deal with this, but so often, um, what we want to do and what we think will bring us pleasure runs contrary to what would glorify God or be obedient to him. And whenever I bring up this question in, um, you know, to my congregation, I always say, you know, we're really good typically at understanding that we should glorify God, but we're terrible at understanding that that does not run contrary to what enjoying God is right, so uh, we typically want to put those against each other and choose. Well, I got to glorify God, which means I need to put to death desires and things I really want. Well, yeah, we do need to put those certain things to death, but in so doing, in living under righteousness and communing more with God and aiming uh, to glorify Him, we actually experience a more fullness of joy. Voss in his commentary on this question says that the person who thinks of enjoying God apart from glorifying God is in danger of supposing that God exists for man instead of man for God to stress, enjoying God more than glorifying God will result in a falsely mystical or emotional type of religion. And Mm -hmm. so um, because we so often want to run those things contrary to each other, they're not, they work in conjunction. And in this world, in this and it's been this way forever, right? It's been you can always go back to the garden, of course, but I think it we see it in increasingly clear fashion today of we want to think about our own pleasure in a hedonistic way, and we never actually think about what pleases God and how that might affect our pleasure. One of the proof texts for this passage or for this question is Revelation 411. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You know, God created everything, including us for his pleasure, for his glory. And because he is a good God who loves us, then when we align ourselves with that revealed will, it's not going to make us more miserable. It's naturally going to cause us as we grow in Christ likeness to love and enjoy what God loves. And so I just love how it reorients our thinking. And it's, it, it seems so basic when you read it because it's one of the first things that you memorize and, um, and that's all great, but it, we really should, would do well to stop and and ponder what this actually means for our mm-hmm. daily lives.
0: I think you're absolutely right. And it just further Reinforces that the idea that it puts the lie to this assumption that that this that the this catechism is not pastoral and that it's scholastic and austere because it's just reminding us that theology and the doctrine that we're going to be considering in this catechism, uh, it's not just for your living; it's for your joy to enjoy God. God is something to be enjoyed. You know, I know, I know that in the reformed world these days, in many ways, John Piper is persona non grata. And I'm, I'm a little dubious, I'm more than a little dubious, about the language of Christian hedonism. But my goodness, he was on to something. And and Frank, I mean, and his whole little tagline, honestly, is just a, a riff off of the larger catechism or shorter catechism. Question number one: yeah. To what is it? God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in Him. That's that's his tagline. I, I mean, that's that's sort of a variation on a theme of what the catechism question is getting at: is to glorify God. Is is part and parcel with enjoying Him. You are meant to enjoy God, and in your enjoyment of God rightly, as His Word reveals, you will glorify Him.
3: Yeah, and Sean, you know, in the same theme of you know enjoying God is for our own individual good. Um, you know, I think about texts like Matthew chapter five, verses fourteen through sixteen, where. Jesus says that you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lamp stand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. So therefore let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. You know, it's not only for our own good, but it's our, our glorifying God is then a light into uh, the world, and so not only you know is this this catechism question applicable to our own our own sanctification, even discipleship within the church, but evangelism outside of the church, where uh, people see us. Uh, these two things tie intimately together uh, in the words of Christ here. That by glorifying our Father, we are a light on a hill, uh, shining the light of Christ and the gospel. And in return to that, uh, we are calling people to glorify the Father in heaven alongside of us. And so there's a there's a deep sense of of in this pilgrim journey that we're in uh, as we're you know trotting through the wilderness uh, unto the promised land uh, there is a way in which we ought to live and are commanded to live that will be seen by the world uh and by our words and by our actions uh may the lord use even our glorifying of him to draw men women and children unto himself so that he might be all the more glorified you know and so i think that's a a beautiful aspect of this uh, catechism question uh, as well.
4: You know, and something to Matt's point here, that this is evangelistic. uh, It really is a thing for us as pastors to answer the question that we hear inside the church all the time, even amongst those in the ministry, uh, the complaint of not feeling fulfilled, uh, of of having the existential crisis of feeling like, you know, I'm in my 30s. Is this really all that there's going to be? I thought it was going to be better. You hear this in marriage. You hear Mm -hmm. this in work. You hear this in just basic aspects of life. But I'll say that we hear this, if we're listening, outside the church. And this is a catechism that, well, we may and rightly say is for the church. This Mm is more broad than that. This is universal. This is not just the chief end of Christians. This is the chief end of all people made in the image of God. And we have this answer here that while it confronts them, It says you're not the end of all things. It also comforts them because it takes them to a God that is ultimate, a God who is incomprehensible in his perfections and invites us to enjoy him uh, in the course of life. And and I just think it's, well, it's it's a great confrontation, but it's also a great introduction to ministry. Uh, It makes me think of the Tom Brady quote whenever he's being interviewed some years ago. Uh, back when he only had three Super Bowl rings. Poor guy. Uh, Poor guy. And someone says, you know, asking him and he responds, he said, "Uh, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, uh, this is what is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me? I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? Mm. And, here, and here the answer is the God of heaven. The God of heaven, come enjoy him.
0: Yeah, And, and yeah. of course, the, the answer is you're absolutely right, Tom. Uh, you are meant to feel hollow you are meant to feel uh, a gnawing lack because you were made for something more you were created for something more and that is the god who made you there is something missing there is more absolutely there is so, spin i cut you off go ahead
2: no you know we're the larger for life podcast and i can't remember who said that it's not a bad diet plan you know it just sounds like a that was diet. me okay well done <laughs> well done that'll make it on a t-shirt but the world and trying to satisfy yourself with the things of the world is like eating empty calories i love skittles Okay. The purple kind, the purple bag, stellar, love me some Skittles. But if I eat a lot of Skittles, I might be satisfied for a hot minute, but then I feel like hot garbage afterwards. Mm. Uh, So, so much of what's happening today is people are trying to find rest in all of the wrong places, and it actually compounds their restlessness. Mm -hmm. And so my mind goes instantly to St. Augustine, our hearts will be restless until they find their rest in thee. We were made by God. We were made for God. And until we live for God, we are going to experience tremendous restlessness and anxiety because we're looking to temporal earthly things and looking to them for eternal and everlasting significance when we need to look to God. And so this, I think, is great for evangelism because this is the one thing that I think is common among most people is that the world is not as it ought to be is it? You are not satisfied. This world cannot ultimately satisfy you, can it? And that's because we weren't made for this world. We were made by God to be with God. And this catechism, I think, does a really good job of maintaining this creator-creature distinction that we were made to be with God. And that When we do what we were designed to do, we will be at our happiest. I like gardening, and I've learned over the course of the years that if I take a full shade plant and I put it in the sun, it'll die. Or if I take a full sun plant and put it in the shade, it will not thrive. And I think that you could describe the lives of unbelievers at best as God made us to be full sun plants. And they're choosing to live in full shade. Mm -hmm. So they might be hanging on by a thread. They might be alive, but they're not living and thriving and being fruitful as God designed
0: them to be. Lovers of darkness. Yeah.
3: You know, Thomas Watson and his body of divinity really uh, comes across very strongly. And I think that he should. I think that strong language is oftentimes very necessary, especially when we're warning uh, the world and unbelievers of their temporal decisions that will lead to an eternal wrath. He writes, how wicked are they who prefer the enjoyment of their lust before the enjoyment of God, who for a drop of pleasure would drink a sea of wrath. And that's strong. And so he uses that warning Hmm. to then say, let this be a spur to duty. How diligent and zealous should we be in glorifying God that we may come at last to enjoy him? Um, it goes right back to what Nick said. This is talking about a now and a forever, right? Um, it's a, It has eschatological uh, weight to it. Um, either for momentary pleasures, uh, we will... Uh, suffer an eternal wrath of God, or we can live for God's glory, which he promises. How gracious is this? That he promises a state of blessedness now and forever. You know, I'm preaching through Psalm 119 uh, in uh, in Dylan right now. We do Psalms during the summer, and I've repeated multiple times, uh, you know, how How gracious is it that God, even though he has the right just to say, here's how you are to live, and you're going to do it because I'm your creator, he would actually say, here's how you are to live, and I will bless you if you live according to my commandments. You know, I will allow you to, enable you to uh, enjoy life now and uh, forever. It's a a remarkable thing.
0: Amen. Yeah, we... We, as his creatures, owe him by virtue that he's the creator. We owe him bare, raw obedience, and he doesn't owe us a thing. And yet, graciously, he says, yeah, you, you render this obedience unto me, and it's going to yield blessing. It's going to yield enjoyment for you. We don't deserve it, but my goodness, how good he is.
2: It's Luke 17, the unprofitable servants, right? At the end of the day, all we've done is our duty. But that God makes our duty and our delight
0: one and the same is really a testimony to his grace. You know, it, it strikes me um, as we're we're starting to, to wind our way towards something of a conclusion. But spin, you mentioned off the air, uh, John Calvin, and it's it's a theological point. You know, we we've already been talking uh, about how the catechism begins by beginning with God and not man when when it thinks about man, uh, our chief end of existence, or if, if we wanted to put it in our postmodern lingo, what's the purpose of life. Uh, it doesn't begin with man. It begins with God right from the outset, very much reflective of Calvin. Uh, wh- wh- what must we know and what must we know supremely and and rightly? Well, if we're going to have any knowledge at all, we must begin with knowledge of God and then knowledge of ourselves. And of course, the catechism question uh, uh, continues on in that paradigm and in that pattern. It's also interesting, too, I think the theological point is worth making, that the divines were deliberate in their structuring of the confession and the catechisms to begin with God. And then it brings in the scriptures just a few questions later. Uh, at question number three in, in the larger catechism, we'll get to the word of God. We'll get to the holy scriptures. And and sometimes that maybe throws people for a loop because there's other historical uh, creeds and catechisms, catechisms that begin with scripture because, and, and naturally so. You know, how do we know about God? How do we know about who he is? And God is, God is revealed through special revelation. He's revealed through the scriptures. And so one might legitimately choose to structure their uh, creedal or catechetical formulary by starting with the Bible. That's fine. But the divines, the Westminster Assembly, chose not to go that route, but they actually begin with God and then get on into the scriptures, which is fascinating. Uh, which is which is right in, in all kinds of ways. And it's just a, a theological point that's worth observing as we're thinking of the, the deliberate structure in which this catechism was arranged.
1: Well, and I, I think that's such a good point in, in starting with God, because when you understand God rightly and you understand the purpose of your life and the purpose or the chief end, rather, of your life, what you begin to see is, um, not only do you begin to glorify and or enjoy him by glorifying him and enjoy him forever, but you also begin to rightly enjoy the gifts that you may have enjoyed before, but now you're enjoying them in the right way or in the right manner with the right spirit, right? I mean, um, you know, sorry to our uh, Baptist friends, but I'm going to read a verse that y'all took out of your Bibles. Psalm 104, 15 says, uh, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man, there it is. oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. You know, what is the purpose of good wine? To make our hearts glad. So um, one of the ways that we glorify and enjoy God is by rightly enjoying the gifts that he's given us. You know, we have a midweek prayer meeting, uh, shout out to Doug Kelly, we have a midweek prayer meeting uh, every week. And we also share a meal together and, um, you know, I can go out with my non-Christian friends and have good conversation, good food, good drink. Um, all those things are true, but you know, what makes the midweek prayer meeting better is that we're all Christians mm-hmm. and we acknowledge, Hey, this food we're having, uh, is this pound cake and this spaghetti and this chocolate cake or whatever is so much sweeter Why? Because we are doing it in the spirit of God. I mean, that's what, you know, to partially quote Thomas Aquinas. um, Sorry, biblicalist. Oh, no. Aquinas says, for joy is caused by love, either through the presence of the thing loved or because the proper good of the thing loved exists and endures in it. And isn't that true? Like love is produced. It's or joy is produced. Because we are uh, in the presence of the thing that is love, we are in the presence of God, enjoying what He's given us, and it just uh, it just continues to produce joy. So I, I just think that uh, more Christians would do well to to ponder and, and study these things.
0: Yeah, that's that's a marvelous quote. I don't know why all these people are out there hating on Aquinas. He was my favorite American president. I love it. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin was my
2: second favorite
0: president. I, Aquinas gave us the Declaration of Independence. And I mean, the whole separation of church and state yeah. thing. That was unfortunate. Well, but all haters hate, 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 hate. <laughs>
3: uh, well, I think that we can, uh, unless you got some resounding, illuminating comment there, Sean, I
0: was going to well, wrap us up. Well, let me just real quick. Uh, it did strike me, and, and I'll keep it nice and nice and brief. We'll get more into this in the Christological sections of the Catechism, mm. of course. But it strikes me that when we in Reformed theology we're often thinking about salvation and what is the core of salvation, and it parallels what we've been thinking about here so nicely. It's that we get Christ and all His benefits, and mm. that's what we're talking about here. Is it's in salvation we don't just get justification, we don't just get pardon, we don't just get reconciliation. Those are the benefits we all get. F- And we do enjoy them, but supremely, we get Christ. We don't just enjoy the gifts that come from his hand. We enjoy the giver of those gifts. We enjoy Christ and all his benefits. And that's, in large part, that's what this opening catechism question is getting at, is we're enjoying God who gives these gracious and glorious things, but we're enjoying him, the person, and not just the benefits which come from his hand. I think about
3: that, him, the uh, sands of time are sinking. The bride eyes, not her garment. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I will not gaze at glory, but on my bridegroom's face, not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand,
0: mm-hmm. You know, the
3: lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. I, yes. You know, that is a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, way of saying, you know, we are glorifying God for who he is, not what he's done for us, but solely for who he is. Uh, and, In that, we find perfect, blessed, uh, eternal uh, enjoyment. Um, Nick, I cut you off. Do you have something you want to add?
4: Yeah, and I'll be brief. You know, one thing I want to point out, and you can derive this, I think, yes, from the order of the catechism, but likewise from the first reference they give, uh, Revelation 4.11. All things were created for God's pleasure, and if you read it from the text, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And one of the things that I want to say about this is that the divines are refusing to let us begin our thoughts about our own existence with us. It's about the pleasure of God. It's about Him, His delight, His worthiness. His goodness and so that ought to be for i think all of us a thing that stops us in our tracks it ought to cause us to stand with mouths as a gate just to consider god and to know simply if we're going to talk about even our own enjoyment of him we must first be concerned with his enjoyment of all of his mm. creatures and all of the things that he's made furthermore even his enjoyment with the consideration of himself by himself and uh yeah, I, I think that's, that's an unavoidable uh, conclusion, at least from the reference they give in the first portion of the catechism.
0: Yeah, so good. I will not gaze at glory, but on my King of grace. Amen. Yeah, and I think that,
2: Sean, your earlier point that the confession is laid out, the Westminster Confession and catechisms are laid out theocentristically, you know, it's it's God first, then man. It's kind of reflecting what Calvin's talking about, where there's God knowledge and then there's man knowledge, and uh, man's knowledge of self comes from beholding God and His glory and His grace toward us. And as Derek was talking about enjoying the gifts that God has given for what they truly are, that we enjoy them to the max, we are maximum enjoyers because we know from whom these gifts were given. One book that was really impactful for me during uh, the COVID craziness was Jeremiah Burroughs, The Evil of Earthly-Mindedness. I will make reference to this book throughout our podcasting uh, careers on here, but you know, he talks about when you see food, when you see the sunshine, when you see the house that you live in, beyond just things to keep you alive, but when you see them as gifts given from your father, they take on an added level of significance. I'm sure we all probably have mementos or we have a book or we have something that was given to us by someone that was really special to us. And the thing itself is actually like a really common object. It's not that important. It's not very remarkable, but there's a sentimental value because you know who gave it and that person is special to you. And so that's how we can live all of life to the glory of God because all that we have is given to us by him as a sign of i can't remember if it was calvin but he said as a token of his paternal favor mm. and when you think of it that way it's really easy to glorify god in all of life right whether you're
3: eating whether you're drinking do it all to the glory of god amen well you know i think that will uh, wrap us up for uh this uh, first question um and You know, Derek brought up Dr. Kelly, so I have to say that if your church isn't having a midweek prayer meeting, you need to start a midweek prayer meeting. You don't know what you're missing uh, within the life uh, of the church. I want to close with this little section from the Institutes of Christian Religion. We are all created to this end, that we should know the majesty of our creator, and by knowing him, should hold him in esteem and honor Him with all fear, love, and reverence. It is necessary then that the principal care of our life should be to seek God and to aspire to Him with all affection of heart and not to rest anywhere save in Him. I think that will conclude this episode uh, on this first question about glorifying God and enjoying Him uh, forever. What is the chief and highest end of man? Man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and fully to enjoy him forever. We hope that you'll join us next time here on Larger for Life. We'll see you soon.
0: have been listening to Larger for Life, a podcast on the Westminster Larger Catechism brought to you by the Blue Ridge Institute and Birmingham Theological Seminary. For more information about this podcast, please visit our website on Podbean at largerforlife.podbean.com, where you can subscribe to the show in the podcast platform of your choice and browse past episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter or Facebook On Twitter, you can follow us at Larger for Life Podcast. And on Facebook, you can follow us at Facebook.com slash Larger for Life. Be sure to tune in next time and join us again at Larger for Life.